Hello, welcome to the latest episode of The Anointed. I'm super excited for this episode because this is again going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be personal with what I have experienced over the last uh, many years of my life. And uh, this podcast is turning out to be really, really interesting. So, as you know, The Anointed is on multiple platforms. Today we are on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and many other pot, uh, platforms, including the web. And uh, to share with you the stats, we have, you know, we have what we call listeners all across the globe. And uh, I'm happy to share with you that we have had 61 listens so far, uh, 61 plays over five episodes, and this is uh, causing an average of 12 listens per episode. And this is really exciting because it was averaging around nine or eight in the previous episodes. And we have had listeners all around the globe. Uh, we are talking about Singapore, United States, Japan, Canada, Australia, Switzerland, and Germany. Wow. Can you imagine? These are countries I have no clue what's going on for real. And I believe uh, these these must be a beginning or the word is spreading to the rest of the world. I mean, Germany. Wow. Can you just imagine that? And uh, this is insane. So I'm super excited for the new episode because uh, I have not been disciplined myself over the last few days. I was a little under the weather. I wasn't feeling good. I could not record over the weekend. So here I am recording on a Wednesday uh, because I really felt I really wanted to talk to you guys. So what's been happening on my end? Um, so it's um, Easter season and uh, there's a lot going on. They're busy at work, busy at uh, multiple fronts. And one interesting thing that has been happening on my side is um, on my acting end of things is I'm playing a villain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have been doing some research and that's what led to the topic that I have picked for today. So I was doing my study on how to make my role a multifaceted role so that it could be entertaining, it could be more grounded and uh, more villainous. So I did my research and I was looking into a couple of characters that I thought uh, were really, really good uh, as villains. And uh, one of the top ones that came out were Heath Ledger's Joker. You know, he plays a maniacal um, uh, ex-veteran soldier who has PTSD according to uh, many people who have studied the character in uh, for the character of Joker uh, for Batman 
uh, and uh, then one of my favorite villains of all times uh, was um, Al Pacino's uh, role as the devil himself in The Devil's Advocate uh, because these are wordy roles uh, these are entertaining and uh, then the role of Christoph Waltz as Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards and uh, finally would be Christian Bale uh, in American Psycho uh, which I thought was again a very entertaining uh, role that he has played and these are not small actors these are really great actors who have really put a lot of thought into their character and I really felt uh, these were some of the uh, characters I would like to emulate in the mannerisms of the nuances that my character brought. Uh, so I did some research and I thought, why not check what is the most accurate psychopathic villains ranked by psychologists or researchers. And um, as I was doing my research, it turns out none of these were accurate. And, uh, uh, and I was really, really shocked. And I just saw a clip and I realized that many researchers rank Javier Bardem's role in No Country for Old Men as one of the most accurate psychopathic villains ranked by researchers and doctors. Wow. You know what's the fascinating thing? I have not watched that movie. And that got me thinking. Because one of the key things as a consumer or a person who loves watching movie is to be entertained. And many of these villains, which I said earlier, like Heath Ledger and Christoph Waltz and Christian Bale and Al Pacino, all entertain. But that doesn't show what a real psychopath looks like so i thought why not dive deep into it and see what makes a psychopath and what makes a psychopath tick so if i ask you how would you describe a psychopath many books and movies uh, like the chilling american psycho american psycho and um, tom harris's thriller silence of the lamp would have us believe the definition of a psycho is someone who has a chainsaw or is a crazy cannibalistic or even you know animated individual but the research proves to the contrary the presence of a psychopath is actually all around us and even more so in the corporate world you heard it right the corporate world has way more psychopaths than any other parts of the world. You know, we're not talking about, you know, out in the open in the streets kind of thing. We're talking about functional psychopaths. And um, today I thought I'm going to talk about it and probably we can discover together <laughs> whom we can identify as a psychopath living among us. So, how do we recognize a psychopath psychopaths are actually relatively small in per percentage when it comes to staffing and uh, 
they can do enormous damage especially when they reach roles of senior management we are talking about when they get access to power that's when it starts to manifest itself the symptoms so how a typical workplace psychopath works is through power by attaining power or maintaining power so the author of the book snakes and suit is one famous book and it talks about how psychopaths go to work and uh, there are five phases on how they actually typically go to work and climb up and maintain power so one of the main first stages that they go is the entry and one thing you will realize is psychopaths have highly developed social skills they are very very charming and this apparently is a trained skill they are trained or they train themselves and they sharpen themselves to be highly highly charismatic or charming and it's difficult to spot anything indicative of their behavior especially when they're coming for an interview because they sound right they are they look the part and they are utter perfection the second stage is the assessment stage and this is the part where they start weighing one up and they start showing their usefulness in a team setting and they start seeing which one is the pawn which one is the rook or rookie which one is the bishop if i'm using chess references and how can they use their influence or their power uh to use against somebody or for themselves the third stage is the manipulation stage and when it comes to manipulation they create scenarios uh which is utter fiction where positive information about themselves and disinformation about others is created and this kind of back and forth is utilized to groom an individual or a group of people who keeps accepting their agenda the fourth stage is the confrontation stage where the psychopath will use these techniques of character assassination to maintain their agenda and will start discarding the pawns or the people of no worth as time goes on and the last and final stage is the ascension stage and uh, in the ascension stage this is the part where the psychopath's quest for power will be discarded and he takes for himself or herself a position of power and prestige for anyone who once supported him sounds familiar five stages the entry stage the initial impression the assessment how he looks at people around him the manipulation how he starts manipulating the information and just starts weeding out people who are for him and against him confronting and the final stage of ascension careers with the highest proportion of psychopaths according to the british psychologist kevin dutton uh, 
are as follows. CEOs, lawyers, people who are in media. I believe these are people who are in front of a mic. Oh, wait. I hope he's not talking about me. Salespeople, surgeons, journalists, police officers, clergies, chefs, civil servants. And uh, if you look at it, it's pretty much everyone you know. But these are ranked based on studies. And um, they have a behavioral pattern, right? And some of the patterns that you can pick from a corporate setting or a social setting, I'll just highlight a few high-ranking ones. Public humiliation of others. These psychopaths have high propensity to throw a temper tantrum and ridiculing other people's work performance. Malicious spreading of lies. Remorseless. This is one thing that kept highlighting. These people can remove themselves from emotions or remove themselves from feeling pain. They frequently push lies and they have exaggerated body expressions like yawning, sneezing, just to gain attention. They switch emotions rapidly, which can be used to manipulate or cause high anxiety among the pawns, especially people reporting to them. They isolate people by using organizational resources. They're quick to blame others and the list goes on. I mean, these are scary. What am I getting at? One of the major consequences in a workplace or in the corporate setting is where a psychopath creates a place for workplace bullying. Psychopaths are known for bullying. That's where they separate people out and start attacking people. And I have personally been a victim of it. And it's scary. It's depressing. It really throws into a panic. And uh, workplace bullying happens out of one of their key features, narcissism, lack of self-regulation, lack of remorse, and lack of consciousness. And uh, this can be identified right away. I know you might be listening to this podcast and thinking of few people who have come across. You might be even thinking about your boss, but listen to me. When you have this consistent kind of behavior, you will know and even the people who have been working for such individuals have known this for years. But one of the key things that you will notice is bullying has been around for centuries in multiple industries. And it's a tactic that they use to humiliate their subordinates. And it can be used to scare people, confuse and disorient. This is the main role. And this is used against people who they feel are a threat to their activities in their corporate adventures. There are two kinds of bullying. One is predatory bullying, where the bully enjoys bullying and tormenting vulnerable people for the sake of it. The second one is an instrumental bullying, and that is for the sole purpose of achieving the bully's or psychopath's goals. Here's the question. Why are psychopaths readily hired and why are those behaviors encouraged in the corporate world 
If you look at any job posting today on the internet, pick LinkedIn, pick, you know, uh, monster jobs or anything like that, you will notice that the number one job posting requires individuals with psychopathic tendencies, which require risk-taking and charm. Don't forget, many of these qualities are trained for years. Hence, even the psychopaths themselves can't differentiate which is which and people who are looking for people for to fulfill these roles and responsibilities can't even differentiate them. Their thrill-seeking tendencies are conveyed such as high energy and enthusiasm for their job. For instance, their irresponsibility may be misconstrued by employers as risk-taking or entrepreneurial spirit. In addition to seeming competent and likable in interviews, psychopaths are more likely to outright make up in information during interviews than non-psychopaths. You get the idea, right? This can be dangerous, especially people who are in sales, they are required to do this all the time. And the corporate world encourages you to do more of it. Here's the thing uh, to all the listeners out there. One of the major failings of our civilization is the constant admiration and adoration of people with psychopathic behaviors. Silicon Valley and Hollywood are filled with such individuals and have produced such nutcases with zero empathy. And because of that encouragement and because of that hero worship or, you know, the ad- adoration that has been put out in every press release or PR stunt from every publication possible, this has produced even more imbalances when it comes to protecting humanity against bullies like these. I remember when Steve Jobs was at his peak, people remember him as the maestro who invented and made the iPhone. But if you also look at many of the interviews given those days, many executives have come forward and shared their experience with Steve Jobs of him being a bully and many of the tendencies that I've expressed earlier. But who listens to those, right? Because what it produced during those years were many more executives and startup co-founders who started to behave and bully and intimidate and cause fear and panic and anxiety to their subordinates for the very fact by saying, I'm just emulating Steve Jobs. If he did it, I too can do it. And I think of myself as a genius like him. And this can be really, really dangerous because if normal people can't differentiate what is bad and calls out what is terrible, it is setting ourselves up for failure. Today we have even more 
psychopaths in the corporate world or even in the startup world remember uber's founder travis kalanick elon musk and many such executives in the marketplace who are admired for their erratic behavior but the new wave is coming with social media many of these things have started to get starting started to get exposed we are talking about corporate bullying sexual harassment the me too movement harvey weinstein you look at all these individuals who have used their power to abuse the little one are being exposed and you no longer feel alone because of such movements and many of the corporations have taken steps many industries have taken steps to stop the 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 culture where psychopaths thrive but here's the thing even though corporates have an ethics board or a some kind of uh, new policy against them i can safely say that many institutions do not fully enforce it we are talking about ceos of these big big companies and it can be dangerous when you are going against them and there are ways to confront these bullies and these psychopaths once you identify that you are working for one of them the first thing you have to do is to band together all the victims of such harassments and to file a complaint against them that is the first step whether that will be enforced or not is a different story but you have to report what you have experienced because if you don't you will suffer in silence you will leave the organization and no change will be made for the next little person who will fill your shoes so be the agent of change don't let people bully you because you are far better than that you are much better than that i always listen to this quote and that's always uh, a quote that i that's close to my heart i don't know who said it but it goes always leave the world better than the day you found it and that applies for your work that applies for your family that applies to everything that you do always leave it better if you can produce one change and a good one do it this is george kurula from the anointed and it has been an exciting episode it has been a personal episode and in the next episode i will be discussing about